Teammates, welcome to the Journeys Through Leadership podcast. I am inspired by the 1% who raise their hand to serve and intrigued by their journeys. I created this platform to allow them a voice to share their stories. Leadership is a journey. It has no end, but it starts somewhere. And we will explore the events that shape our members during their journey through leadership. Hello, teammates, and welcome to the very first episode of hopefully many more of the JTL podcast. I am your host, Chief Master Sergeant Denny Richardson, and I am very excited to kick off this first episode with the one and only, the 109th Airlift Wing Vice Commander. Please let me introduce you to Colonel Robert Donaldson. Thank you, sir, and, and welcome, and, and thank you for leading the way uh, for this first episode. And thanks, Chief. Thanks for having me here today, and it's great taking the rank off and telling a little bit about my past and where I've come from. So, Rob Donaldson, who I am? Um, let's see. I'm a, I'm a father. Uh, I'm, I'm happily married to my wife, Luana. Luana's from uh, Canada, so uh, she was. I met her, uh, and here we are today. We've got two beautiful... Uh, uh, young little kids. So I've got my son, Caden, who is 11 years old, and my daughter, Elise, who is now seven, who's going on 35. Every time I talk to her, she's just getting older and by leaps and bounds. But uh, that's, you know, I'm a family man. And, you know, family for me is a big priority in my life. I love uh, spending time with them. We go skiing. Uh, we take camping trips. At one point, we took a three-week journey around the country up in actually in northeastern uh, Canada. So we spend a lot of time together as a family, and I'd say that's one of my big priorities. You know, I came from really my background when I was growing up. I grew up in Greene County, and uh, for those that are around in the capital region, no Greene County. It's uh, very rural. You're out in no man's land, really. Lived in Freehold for a big portion of my life with my mom, and then spent some time with my father on the other side of the river, in the Hudson River over in uh, Hudson in Columbia County. Um, so I, I kind of had kind of uh, two different... I would say, lives growing up with a split family like that. And I was able to kind of see different perspectives of, of what made people tick in different uh, parts of the, uh, the territories. But Greene County, um, up there, uh, again, with my mom most of the time during the week and then with my father on the weekends. Uh, grew up with horses, horseback riding. So for those that don't know anything about my background, I did a lot of horseback riding when I was a kid. I actually uh, showed... Uh, for uh, in the Quarter Horse Association. So I, I travel around the country uh, riding Western and being graded and evaluated. So I did that for a long, a long time. I did that with my dad. And on my mom's side, she didn't have a lot of money. We came from very simple means. I remember at one point, and this just goes to my background about who I am, we lived in, a, in an RV in the back of someone's field, believe it or not, because we didn't have a house. Um, so I lived there for a while. Uh, so very different perspectives in life of where I've come from and uh, grew up. And I'm, I was glad I had those influences because both sides of the family cared for me and supported me uh, throughout that process. And here I am uh, today, glad to have made the military uh, a big portion of my life. Wow. Thank you for that introduction, sir. You know, so I, I've known you for since I've came to this uh, to up to upstate New York and the one on knife since 1997. And I never knew that you were a horseback rider. Horseback rider, cowboy hat, <laughs> cowboy boots, and spurs <laughs> for the summertime for the for that quarter horse show, and then uh, 
Yes. Wow. See, that's what I love about these podcasts, because you get to know things about your your vice wing commander, (laughs) full bird colonel, (laughs) that you probably would have never, ever known or never guessed. But thank you, sir, for saying that, uh, for sharing that, um, but also about your humble beginnings as well. Um, you know, because we all know, you know, coming from humble beginnings, um, you know, that reward to where you are right now, um, that, you know, you know, you cannot replace that feeling. So, so thank you uh, for, for sharing that. You so, bet. You bet. Um, family man, um, you know, of course, family is important, uh, keeping that balance between family, uh, career and, and your development. Um, you know, and, and as you know, and just like with any of uh, the folks serving in the military today, um, you know, when it's family time, it's family time. We have to make time for family. And, you know, we pour everything into our family. So because it's extremely important. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right, Chief. Yeah, uh, outstanding. Part sir. of everything that we do. Yes, yeah, sir. For well, sure. Thank you. Thank you very much for sharing that with us. With us sir. Uh, so you could have taken any career path. Why the military and in specific the Air National Guard? Uh, a great question, uh, Chief. You know, for me, you know, I was 18 years old, uh, going on 19. Uh, I had always had an affinity for um, a liking with uh, airplanes. Um, I worked at an airport, actually, Richmore Aviation, back in Columbia County when I was over with my father uh, for the summers, you know, between uh, when I was in high school. And um, I started working there at the airport, uh, towing airplanes. I would fuel them. I was a lineman, so I did all that stuff. So I was close to airplanes. I liked it. Um, I also knew that I really didn't have, um, I didn't want to go to my parents asking for money. I, again, my humble beginnings on my mom's side, we, we didn't really have any money uh, to pay for college and things like that. And I knew that the military, I had read about it. I had a friend that went in the military uh, that was able to get the GI Bill and things like that. Mm-hmm. So I thought, hey, what a great idea is joining the military. So the Air National Guard, the Guard itself was not my first that's not where I first joined. I joined the active duty Air Force, so the U.S. Air Force, as an airman basic. And I really stumbled, to be honest with you, Chief, I stumbled into it. I uh, had no idea whether I'd even like it. I just knew that that was a means to an end, perhaps. Mm-hmm. I like the order. I like the uh, believing in something as part of a team concept that's higher than myself. I wanted to be part of something bigger than myself. And uh, I thought that would be a great avenue to at least open up some horizons, some avenues, uh, for me to be successful in life. And so I took a risk. It was a risk because I really didn't have anybody else in the, mil- in the military that was in my family. And so I was at the mercy and trust of uh, the folks that I would go and see, um, you know, the recruiters and things uh, out in the community in uh, Columbia County where I went and first broached uh, with those folks. So we talked about it, and I joined as an Airman Basic, went in there with no guaranteed job, <laughs> no guaranteed job, uh, I took the ASVAB, uh, took the gen- you know, in the general category. I said I wanted to fly. I liked airplanes. So they said, hey, just, uh, you know, you scored really well on the general. All, all the categories they said I scored well, but it, but it, it will put you down that you like uh, airplanes, and maybe you can get a flight job. But you're going to go down to basic training with no guaranteed job. <laughs> and so I did. And then it turned out I did get a flight job in, uh, in the military. And then I ended up going to the Air Force, spending uh, several years as an active duty uh, airman, airman first class, and then uh, found out about the Air National Guard by looking and, and talking with folks that were in the active duty that were leaving and going into the Air National Guard. And I, I just kind of stumbled again onto stuff that was happening in Schenectady, knowing I could get back home and closer to my family. Um, and then I did the Palace Chase. So I came over to the Air National Guard, became a med tech here as an airman first class, right with the 139th mm-hmm. AES. And I've been here ever since in various capacities and roles. So, 
Oh, very nice, sir. Thank you for sharing that. Um, that you know, so one thing that, that I picked up on um, when you talked about um, your early beginnings and when you were about to make that decision to join was your love or your passion uh, for airplanes, your love or your passion for flight. So, so it's, it's actually for the listeners out there, uh, you know, if you have a passion, follow it follow it because you never know where it's going to lead you. And Colonel Donaldson is, is a prime example of following his passion you know, and now look at him, look at, look at you sitting here. Um, you know, I ain't going to say on top of the world cause you still have uh, some growth to do, <laughs> uh, but I think you've done uh, pretty well for yourself. sir. Well, well, thanks chief. I, you know, part of it is, and I, I, and I put this out to everybody that's listening is, you know, um, don't be afraid of, uh, taking risks and really, um, uh, pushing the envelope of what you think you can do uh, for a big portion of my life. Um, when it started out, I was really uh, kind of, like I said, I, I, and oftentimes I'm still stumbling into things as we go along, um, but I didn't have all the answers and I wasn't surrounded by people that really had all the answers for me. So that meant that you really had to trust your gut instincts and to commit to a line of effort that got you out in front of things that, that maybe you didn't know anything about. Um, mm. And it was what, but what I, what I've taught myself over the years and through all that experience, I think has been great because now as I look back on things, even though I've taken some jobs that I may not necessarily have loved, mm -hmm. but I got in there and did it anyway, what I came out on the other side of it is a better person with a broader understanding of how the world works, how people interact and operate, uh, what leaders are looking for and their commitments into creating a better way of life for whether it's the profession or in your personal life as family men, I think all of that goes into shaping you. And so I'd encourage everybody out there, don't be afraid of leaning forward and trying things that you're just not, that requires you to change because that's just going to stretch your comfort zone to make you a better person. Wow. Well, thank you, sir, for saying that. It actually brings up a, uh, brings to mind to me a quote uh, by uh, the comedian um, uh, Steve Harvey, um, and this, his quote pretty, pretty much states, and, and I quote, um, your, your job is what you're paid for, uh, but your calling is what you're made for. Um, and it sounds like this is your calling, sir. <laughs> I think so. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's been great. I've, I've, um, I, the folks that I work with each and every day, and I've worked with, uh, like I said, I was an airman, as an airman first class, now as an 06. So between those ranks, throughout the years, to your point on being a calling, I have worked with some really great people. Mm -hmm. And what I've come to really accept about the military and especially the Air Force and here in the International Guard is we have awesome, awesome people mm -hmm. um, that are across the board. And you really don't get that. And I'm not, you know, outside of the military. And I've had dealings outside of the military. You know my background. I was a lawyer yes. dealing <laughs> with things on the outside. And so I've seen uh, all shapes and sizes out there. But I can say about my experience with the military that brings it to your point it being a calling for me, is that the quality of individuals that are here, mm. the people that have a commitment to something bigger than themselves, with the core values that have resonated inside of them, integrity first, all of those character elements that make us uh, the best at what we do, and to bring the very best into an organization like this, uh, has truly made it a calling for me. I want to stay with this organization, and that's why I've kind of carried through on it. Outstanding, so, sir. So you talked about the quality of people. Uh, so what do you look for when selecting a, a leader? You know, it's funny, Chief. Thanks for the question. You know, I often get that, asked that question. When, when people are coming to me for advice, if mentorship and, 
And by the way, um, a shout out to all the folks that do do that. And I encourage anybody else looking to do that. Don't be afraid to knock on my door and ask me questions. Mm -hmm. Chief, I know you're a, a huge mentor to folks out there. They look to you. They rely upon you. You're a beacon of, of uh, the very best of, of what people can bring to the program. But I, but I want to encourage those folks to continue to do that with me, even, even with me at the, as, as the vice wing commander. Um, but really, I, so I get asked that a lot. And so, you know, what I tell them is what I'm looking for is character, right? Character in a person. Um, because I'm a firm believer that the character will really carry you through no matter what line of effort that you put your heart and soul and mind mm -hmm. into. Um, there's certain things, everything else in my estimate, you can teach someone, mm. right? The character stuff starts at an early age and it brings you forward and it really sets you up for success in how about or how you go about life and ever, any endeavor that you do. And so I would say the character is the basis and the building block of what makes you the person that you are today. Everything else I can teach. Outstanding. Yes, you're absolutely right, sir. Character is is huge, and um, you know, on my coins, on my New York State Command Chief coins uh, that I carry around and I issue mm -hmm. out to to the best of the best, um, you know, um, on the back of that is surrounded. It surrounds the coin is the character traits of the Tuskegee Airmen, um, you know, and what it meant, you know, to be a Tuskegee Airman and how they actually were able to push through you know, all the negativity that was around them. Um, so, you know, integrity, loyalty, dedication, service, and, and selflessness. Um, so those character traits are something that, um, that I carry with myself, and, um, and, and I'm sure that you carry with you as well. Um, that's why when this is all over with, sir, I'm going to do something special for you, and I'm probably going <laughs> to issue you one of my coins um, because uh, you have definitely made a, um, not only an impact, um, at, you know, everywhere you've gone, but you made an impact on my life as well. So, so, so thank you for being a, um, a high person of character yourself. Thanks, Chief. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. I appreciate it. Yeah, so. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so let's talk about uh, your members. So what are your expectations of your members? You know, for, for, for the members that work for me and others around here, obviously at the wing, you know, my expectations are you guys just carry a, do what you do. And you guys, you know, we're trained uh, to do certain aspects, our AFSCs. We get out there and we execute it. Uh, but more importantly, you know, use the character that I know that you all possess uh, for the betterment of the wing. And part of that means that helping, uh, helping the wing achieve higher levels of success you know, being able to build on um, on what you see as the strategic uh, betterment of of your part here with the organization. So you may be working on uh, certain things in the maintenance group, right? So I worked down in the maintenance group, and I saw a lot of great leaders and airmen in the trenches doing some great work each and every day. If you see things that need to change, or if you feel like you can help in that process, because I know you can, don't be afraid again of changing the paradigm, being able to kind of speak up, work with your bosses, and to offer um, the solution sets to maybe things to make your jobs easier and to be, make the base even better. Uh, similarly, you know, I've been down in the operations group and over even in, in the mission support group when I was the CE commander. All of those areas, I know we have airmen that are very capable leaders in and of themselves in their own right, and they can bring those innovation and, that, and those ideas that they see for positive change and to be able to, um, you know, talk about them. Don't be afraid. What I found over my years, especially as an airman, is oftentimes I would talk with folks and they would have very great ideas and, they, and I'd say, well, why don't, you, 
Why don't you why don't you leverage that? Oh, no one's going to listen to me. Who's going to who's going to talk about this? No one. I'm just an A1C. I will say this to all the airmen, my airmen brethren that are out there and I was with you in the trenches. I know how you think. But I will say this. Corporate change, and I'll say this from my vice wing commander position, corporate change in the organization often comes from the very newest into that organization. I've learned uh, a lot along the way is that uh, folks that are often brand new bring some very invigorating ideas. Uh, folks that are, are new oftentimes aren't wedded to the old existing ways and paradigms, and they're not afraid of really venturing out and offering what they see as a fresh look. Um, supervisors out there, I'd say listen to your airmen. Listen to the folks that bring that corporate change and that that those new ideas because it's going to make the organization better. It's going to make your shop better if you can really leverage them for the success. And don't be afraid of listening to them, even though they may have much less experience and years in service than you do. So I'd encourage that type of communication and growth because they, they've got some great, great ideas out there. I know they do. Wow, it's a lot, a lot of good stuff in there, sir. Um, you know, um, I wrote down three words as you were talking um, that you know that that actually fits: um, listen, learn, and then lead. You know, and um, I wholeheartedly agree with you. Um, at supervisors, um, you know that that's what we need to do. Uh, you know, we definitely need to uh, to give our airmen a voice and um, and listen uh, to to their concerns before. You know, we start moving out um, as far as that, that leadership piece is concerned. So um, that's extremely important. So thank you for sharing that, sir. You bet. You bet. So, sir, uh, with regards uh, to the challenges we are faced with today um, and, and in the future, um, what are you worried about the most or what keeps you up at night? Well, I'll, you know, from I'll speak from the Air National Guard perspective and what I've seen uh, over the years. So when you look at um, really prior to, I would say, 9-11, and there's probably other people out there that will agree, is, you know, we were a strategic reserve, a true strategic reserve, where when you joined um, the Guard or the Reserves, you were, um, you were, uh, you know, you were an airman. You did your one week in a month, two weeks a year. If you were flying uh, in operations, you did more than that, but certainly – and there may be other AFSCs where you were doing more. But prior to that, uh, we were truly a strategic reserve. And we were the break, uh, break uh, in case of emergency, break the glass, and then they called us out. Now, uh, post 9-11, as we all know, and we've lived it. And for many of us, it's been a career over, over 20 years now uh, since that time. You know, um, we've now become an operational force overnight, really. And now it's become a way of life. So what keeps me up at night, what, what, what concerns me is that, you know, moving forward, I'd like to see the Air National Guard resourced, um, uh, commensurate with the footprint and the force effort that we're now uh, being required to execute and the levels that we're being asked to execute at. If we're truly an operational force, then we should have um, more of a stake in the budget outcomes. And this is really big ticket stuff that happens down in Washington, D.C., but it's it's things that we really need to consider, and we need to have the right advocates out there from a senior um, exec, executive levels down in Washington, D.C. and elsewhere uh, advocating for those folks. And I know they try, um, and they're doing it. You know, I know they're, they're executing and, and making it happen. But um, not having the budgets uh, to be able to support the level of effort is one of the things that um, I get concerned about in, in, in our footprint today. Uh, great, sir. Thank you for that. So, and you're absolutely right. The uh, the ops tempo has has increased, uh, you know, since 9/11, and um, that strategic reserve piece 
um, that we definitely have um, started that transition uh, to that operational force. Um, but one thing that keeps the guard relevant is our ability to do just as uh, just a great of a job, uh, but do it cheap. Uh, you know, so we also have to have that balance and make sure that we are still relevant um, in the eyes of the of the Department of Defense. And I think. Um, that's where the innovation um, and the adaptability of airmen comes into play um, because there are inefficiencies out there. Um, and if we aren't listening to our airmen to, and, and um, empowering them to bring forth those ideas as far yep. as innovation is concerned, yep. um, then we're going to continue to be you know, behind the power curve. So we have to be able to, uh, to recognize and utilize you know, technology today. Yep. <clears throat> I think you're absolutely right. You know, I think of... Uh, you know, when you're living in these with these limited resources that we do have, innovation is going to be the the difference between, uh, as you pointed out, using the most, uh, making the most efficient use of the limited resources that we do have, and doing more with less, which is what we consistently do. You know, I can point out things that uh, I've seen in terms of the innovation. In fact, uh, uh, General Brown, CQ Brown, that came down to Antarctica, what was it, two years ago, mm -hmm. I think. I was down there with him in Antarctica. I'll give you a perfect example. I mean, the guys down in, in our maintenance group came up with um, some uh, polar shelters. And uh, I remember him walking out on the flight line and seeing uh, down there in the encampment at, at, in McMurdo <laughs> and him pointing out the fact of, oh, my God, how did you guys come up with this? And that was innovation at its finest. And here he's now the four-star general leading the force in the Air Force. The Air Force didn't even have it. And so, and that's a credit to the 109th Airlift Wing members, uh, the airmen here in the trenches that thought about it, thought outside the box, innovated to find better ways of getting the job done with limited resources. We don't have all facilities down in Antarctica, right? <laughs> he, they right. came up with this. You know what he said? Why can't I use that type of innovation and bring it over to the desert? Why aren't they doing that in the desert? Because it's just as, it's the opposite extreme. We have extreme cold temperatures. We want to be able to work outside. These guys have extreme hot temperatures, but they don't, they don't come up with something like that. So, I mean, that's the type of stuff, as one example, on the innovation. And again, brought by the airmen in the trenches, doing the work, uh, thinking outside the box and not being afraid to voice and to, um, to lean forward to find a better solution set to make their jobs easier and more effective. Mm, yes, sir. I yep. agree. So, so I'm sitting here and I'm listening to you speak. And, um, you know, and I wrote down some, some words. Uh, from some of the things that, that you have been saying uh, that that's important to you. So I'm going to do a recap to all the listeners out there. Um, so Colonel Rob Donaldson is a family man. Uh, he, he, he loves his family and he loves spending time with his family. Now, here's the one thing, one piece that I want you all to take away from this is that Colonel Rob Donaldson is an approachable leader. You can come up and you can speak to him you know, respectfully, you know, and, and let him know what, what's on your mind. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, character. He, he's big on character. He's big on innovation and quality. Um, not only quality of life, but quality of, uh, of airmen uh, as well. Um, so that's a um, that's that's the five things um, as far as a takeaway for Colonel Donaldson, um, you know, from this conversation. So, so, sir, um, what closing thoughts or message uh, would you like to leave with our listeners? You know, to all the folks that are listening out there, um, I'm sure, you know, you hear people thank you. And, uh, and, we, and, and honestly, you know, you know, we can't thank you enough. And I'll say it again here. Um, I've been, again, at the 109th Airlift Wing after I got out of active duty. Uh, came over here at Palace Chase in, since 1993, since I've been here at the 109th. And you guys continue to execute at levels just off the charts. Um, every place that I've worked, the Aeromeds, 
over in civil engineering with that squadron, down at the operations group and the maintenance group, and then now up at the, at the wing level, I could say I'm truly impressed by everything that you guys do. Uh, you continue to, to bring it to new heights. And, um, you know, I've had a lot of jobs all over, all over the country. I've been down in D.C. working at the Readiness Center and elsewhere. And I can tell you that the efforts that you make and the quality of, of, of product that you put out consistently has, has, has garnishes the attention of the most senior level decision makers and folks across the country to the point where you guys have become subject matter experts in your own right, your center of excellence uh, for many things. And I could go down the list and you know who you are out there and you continue to execute off the charts. So thank you for, again, elevating the 109th to the levels that we are today. Thank you for bringing the very best. And thank you um, to everyone, including the airmen in the trenches, for bringing those new thoughts and ideas and not being afraid to speak up. I'd encourage you to do so. Um, and again, please use me as a resource. Um, don't be afraid to come in and stop by to say hi, poke your head in the door, and to pick my brain and ask me maybe some follow-up questions about things that we discussed today. I'm all ears. I'd like to discuss it more. So. <laughs> wow. Uh, well, yeah. thank you, sir. Thank yeah, you very you much for your comments. Um, you know, what a strong way uh, to kick off the JTL podcast. Uh, sir, I, I thank you again, um, you know, for your willingness uh, to be vulnerable, uh, honest, and, and more importantly, uh, transparent uh, w with our listeners today. Greatly, greatly appreciated um, and a very strong message uh, sent out today. Um, I, I'm sure that um, the listeners out there will take a lot, will get a lot from this, um, as did I, um, you know, from, from the conversation with you today. So greatly appreciate you, sir, and uh, much respect to you. Thanks, Chief, and, and thanks for having me. I'm, I'm very honored to be uh, your first interviewee one. In, this, <laughs> in, this, in this venture. And uh, again, I, I look up to you. I, I think very highly of all of the stuff that you brought uh, to the program, to the New York Air National Guard and across the country. Thanks for everything you do. Yeah, no problem, sir. Appreciate it is it. my absolute pleasure. So, uh, teammates, uh, before we get out of here, um, I also have to thank the team uh, behind the scenes who made this all possible. Um, our engineer for today uh, from the 109th uh, Airlift Wing, uh, Mrs. Jackie Lyons. All right. Thank you very much for keeping <laughs> us on point and on track um, and for getting us set up, um, you know, uh, leading up to this point. Um, so Jackie has been phenomenal in, in making this vision a reality. Um, but along with her, uh, the rest of the uh, public affairs team here at the 109th uh, have to give a shout out to uh, Willie Gazera, Jamie Spaulding, Christine Wood, and Madeline Dacolinti. Thank you all for your professionalism and making this dream a reality. Until the next time, teammates, go fast, go far, lead with passion, and more importantly, keep aiming high. Thank you. Until the next episode of JTL, Chief out. <laughs>